Welcome to a special 2018 North American Summit edition of What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, recorded at our podcast parlor in Boston, you'll hear Anne-Marie Hinton explore communication in a multi-generational workplace. My name is Anne-Marie Hinton. I'm the Vice President of Business Development and Marketing for Albuquerque Economic Development, Inc. So there's a topic that comes up frequently, especially these days in the workplace, and that is emotional intelligence in the multi-generational workplace. This is the first time in history that we have five different generations together at the exact same time. And many of the issues that are popping up, both with employees and clients, clients taking over accounts that have been long held by companies, relationships, you name it. And the result is a simple miscommunication about where the other person may be coming from. So generations are defined by what's happening to us in our formative years. So our teenage years, essentially, growing up. And it's not like you go to bed, you know, on December 31st and you're in one generation and you wake up on January 1st and you're in a different, right? So generations also, you may hear certain things that you'll think, well, that kind of fits me, that doesn't, because there's also this concept of cuspers. So as things are changing, Um, You may find yourself feeling like you fit into one generation and another generation, or maybe not at all. Maybe you don't identify strongly with any of them. So really, this is meant to be um, an outline and a guideline for what's happening sociologically with all of us in the workplace these days. So what's happening to us in our formative years shapes our opinion of work ethic, communication style, politics, social justice, what we look for in an office, how we define success, um, all of those things. So when those ideals and perceptions of what's normal collide based on age gaps or generational differences, that's when the problems arise. Um, So in in addition to being relevant to corporate real estate in terms of what the modern office place needs to look like to meet the needs of those five generations, It's also about how companies need to adapt to be able to be resilient, nimble, to build the kinds of cultures that attract talent, um, that kind of thing. And so when I do this talk across the country, I typically start with a slide um, that you can't see right now, but basically I poke fun at every generation in the very beginning. And that's because we all tend to have stereotypes about generations that are not our own. And not surprisingly, when we think of our own generation, we think of positive attributes. And when we think of other generations, we tend to think of the things that frustrate us about them. So for example, I'm a millennial. And when I do this publicly, it's very funny what people say. Right away, they say things like, oh, you're entitled, you're lazy, Um, which by the way, laziness is not, (laughs) you know, not attributed to a single generation. There are lazy people in all, all walks of life, right? Um, but those negative qualities that, that set us apart. Um, and so the five generations that are existing in the workplace right now, I'm going to briefly go through what those generations are and how you can communicate with them in the workplace to be um, 
more successful with each other. So traditionalists are defined as being born, give or take a few years, between 1925 and 1945. And so the things that were happening to this generation when they were growing up were the Great Depression. Kids watching their parents not have jobs or trying to find jobs. Um, the nuclear family. You know, it was really, really important at that time to have a mother, a father, kids. The mother stayed home and reared the children. The father went to work, had a job. Um, the wars that were happening at the time. And so you had things like the Roaring Twenties. I already mentioned the Great Depression, World War II. Social Security was established at the time. And then there was also the post-war baby boom. And so what kind of technology existed at the time was, you know, typewriters. That's how people would produce reports. That's how they would communicate. If you saw a picture of people in the workplace at the time, it was probably predominantly men, probably predominantly white men. Um, and the way that they approach work was that work is an obligation and a job is for life. So when you go to work for a company, you are committing your life to that company. They're, they really value strong work ethic and value hard work and, and being dependable. And they believe in the hierarchical structure of a boss at the top and everybody below who all stay in their lanes and a, you know, take care of their specific job functions. So they followed rules and rarely questioned authority. They're pretty slow to adapt new technology and they really appreciate recognition and attention. So one thing that's interesting to me as a millennial is when I do work with traditionalists in the workplace, they still really appreciate handwritten level letters, typed memos, things that to younger generations, those of us who are used to being able to text or, <laughs> or use cell phones really frequently, you know, um, I found that the second I started writing handwritten thank you notes to some of the people that I work with, their attitude toward me completely changed because I took the time to acknowledge their history, their experience, and that's what really mattered to them. And so in the workplace, some ways that you could really connect with these people is to ask them questions. Let them teach you about the history of the company and the industry. Even if things have completely changed, you can learn more, you can learn more from listening to this generation probably than anyone else in the workforce. And if you can demonstrate that you respect their tenure, that'll go a long way. Don't overwhelm them with new technology. They've been operating in the workforce for 50 years one way. And so all of a sudden to stick an iPhone in their hand and expect them how to use it is going to feel really frustrating and overwhelming to them. Um, and take the time for face-to-face -face conversations. And so the next generation that came along was the baby boomers, of course, as a result of the post-war era. And this is the biggest generation, 1946 to 1960, give or take a few years, tends to be um, this, how this generation is defined. And this is the generation that got me so excited about generational studies in the first place. And it's because they were the first disruptors. They were the original early adapters when it came to technology, social justice, you name it. And that's why it always makes me laugh now when baby boomers rip on, you know, millennials or Gen Z because they were the ones that started it. They kickstarted the whole thing. So what was happening to baby boomers during their formative years is 
rapid change. They witnessed things like JFK's assassination, landing on the moon, incredible space technology, um, Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. So this group of 80 million people really were the first to take a hard look and really the inspiration behind social fragmentation and making sure that that was overcome. They also were the inventors of free love and expression, you know, with Woodstock and that kind of thing. So that also makes me laugh when they're like, kids these days. <laughs> um, and Vietnam was taking place at the time too. Um, the technology that was coming about at that time, my dad talks about how he remembers when his neighbor got the first color television and how their entire neighborhood would run down the street to check it out. And when you're doing this in person, it's really fun to ask people where they were when these things happened. And it's amazing that the entire room can say, oh, I was here or I was doing this when that happened to me. Um, Millennials like to pretend that we invented the computer and technology, but really it was the, <laughs> it was the baby boomer generation, um, for sure. And the way that baby boomers really view success was the white picket fence, right? The house, the accumulation of things, moving up in the office, your office got bigger as you got more successful. Um, and that's really how they viewed success. So it was a, a rise to consumerism as well. But one thing that's really exciting to me about boomers in the works, workplace specifically is they're the very best mentors. They are loyal to employers and work is expected. They're optimistic and idealistic. They're productive, hardworking, and competitive. <laughs> if you're in a room full of baby boomers and you give them a challenge, or you know, all of them jump to that and then they try to pretend that they're not that competitive. Um, they introduced the 80-hour uh, work week, which the rest of us are so thankful for. You know, you show up before your boss and you better not leave until your boss is gone. They value ethics, fairness, and consistency. A way to acknowledge them in the workplace is through individual awards. And they're young at heart, but they're really excited by what's new. And so to connect with boomers in the workplace demonstrate that you're willing to put in the time. Give them the opportunity to teach. They're motivated by standard benefits such as retirement and health care, things that help them accumulate wealth. They're open to new technology but prefer traditional methods. So that's why they are great with say an iPhone but then when it comes to their presentation style or their writing style they'll probably revert back to writing a four-page letter instead of 140 character tweet, you know? Um, and still the best way to communicate is with phone calls. My boss and I have offices right next to each other and I'm always amazed that he answers his phone every single time it rings and he's on the phone all day long. And he's able to generate these amazing relationships as a result, but sometimes with me, I'm, I'm used to communicating more via technology and so Sometimes I think, how does he get it all done? How does he do all of that by being on the phone all day long? But same thing, I've noticed you pick up the phone and actually talk to people of that generation. They're much more likely to listen to what you have to say and to communicate back to you than if you're trying to bombard them with emails, which they may or may not even be paying attention to. 
And then we have Generation X, which is 1961 to 1980. And this one cracks me up because I happen to be married to a Gen Xer. And one afternoon we were talking about succulents, the plants. One year I overloved them, killed them, watered too much. The next year I underloved them and didn't water them enough. So I was really perplexed about how do I grow these succulents? I live in the high desert, it should be easy. Um, and he just very calmly said, think of me as a succulent. You don't need to overlove me, just stick me in the sun, I'll let you know when I need some water. Um, <laughs> and it always makes me laugh because that was the perfect description of his generation in the workplace as well. Um, things that were happening in his formative years include, you know, the space shuttle crash, um, the divorce rate tripled and gave rise to latchkey kids or kids who were coming home without parents in the home and they were making their own meals with a microwave and taking care of their siblings and um, mom was in the workforce. It was the first time that, that women really were not home with children and were instead um, at work. And then we had MTV, 24-7 news cycle kind of a thing. And so Gen X is a smaller generation. There's only 60 million people. Things such as Donkey Kong, those types of games came about at that time. Um, has anyone seen Office Space, the movie where the guy's like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to come in this weekend. And the Gen Xers like, nope, not coming in. <laughs> and they are still motivated by things such as um, baby boomers before them, but it changed a little bit. It became more about the fancy car versus the white picket fence. And so in the workplace, this generation views work as a challenge and they will change jobs for better compensation. They're skeptical and fiercely independent, which you probably experience if you work with one of them. They're problem solvers. And so if you're looking for a, a thing to give to Gen X, it's certainly um, put them in the room and, and let them lead the problem solving exercise. They really appreciate hands-off management and are results oriented. They like being rewarded for results and this generation really is the one that brought back what we would call work-life balance. You know, it's like, I, I actually don't need to be in the office past 5.30, I, my kid has a, has a practice, I gotta go. And boomers are like, wait, it's just a practice, it's not even a game, you could stay here another two hours. Um, but when I talk to, especially millennials in the workplace about interacting with Gen X, Gen X kind of feels like, okay, send me an email with what you need me to do, I'll do it and then hopefully you're going to leave my office and not talk to me again until I'm ready for that. <laughs> and so in the workplace, they want to know what the project is, what they're expected to do and by when. Leave out the fluff. They do not care. Um, they really appreciate direct feedback. They're motivated by flexible work schedules and being rewarded for results. And the best way to communicate is with clear, concise emails. My husband will do this also where I'll call him and he will voicemail me, but then text me or email me, whatever it was. He just doesn't want to have to answer the phone. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want to have to have the fluffy conversation when he's in the middle of accomplishing something. So then we get to millennials, which of course is the generation that perplexes everybody um, in the workplace now. 
So in our formative years, 9-11 happened. So it was the first time that terrorism really took place on American soil. We've never been in school without school shootings. Columbine happened at, you know, at the, the beginning of this generation. And we have always known social media in the workplace and in our lives. Um, and so things like Y2K, the internet went social, reality TV became a thing, and then the Great Recession happened. So one thing I like to point out to professionals working with millennials who say things such as millennials are disloyal, that's not entirely true. So all of us were either in middle school, high school, college when the Great Recession hit. And we watched our parents, our friends' parents who had slaved away at jobs for 30 years only to get a pink slip on a Tuesday. So we got the message loud and clear that companies are not gonna take care of us no matter how hard we work and no matter what we do for them. So we're not loyal to institutions, that's true, but we are loyal to people. And so if you wanna engage a millennial, mentor them and they will work for you for potentially less money or different types of benefits as a result. So some of the things that also changed at the time were the status symbol went from being things to being experiences. So think Airbnb and Instagram, and now it's all about getting that really cool shot of what you're doing, and we spend our money on going on vacation instead of sinking it into a 401k like many of our parents did. So in the workplace, we view work as a means to an end, not as an obligation or as you know, something we have to do every day. And to us, changing jobs is normal. If we want to move up the ladder, we're not going to sit in a position for 10 years to try and make that happen when we could go to a new company or a new experience quickly. We're really enthusiastic and collaborative, like our boomer parents. It's no surprise to me that, you know, millennials were raised by boomers, so they have a lot of those idealistic, optimistic qualities. Um, they really want to make a difference. We like coaching and constant feedback, which is why Gen X has such a hard time with millennials because they work completely differently. Gen X is very focused on independent achievement and they got the message that if I want it done right and well, I do it myself. Whereas millennials were, I make a joke about this, but we were raised to be unique snowflakes and everyone gets a trophy and it's all about teamwork. And so our focus is on teamwork instead of on individual accomplishment. And even though generations before us appreciate diversity, millennials expect it. If we walk into a workplace where we don't see people who look like us or we don't hear people who sound like us, we're not interested in working there. And to get to millennials in the workplace, we need to demonstrate that their work means something. We need to give them the chance to lead a meaningful project or the time to do so on their own. So if you do not employ a millennial in a space where they can take the time on work hours to accomplish something that's a meaningful project to them, then let them leave at five o'clock so that they can go do that. They're motivated by experiences and the best way to communicate is by texting or using social media. And so Generation Z is the newest generation entering the workplace. It's those people born after 1997. They're digital natives. A lot of people assume that they are just like millennials when in fact they actually are pretty different. But like millennials, they have experienced their parents in the recession. And so in their formative years, things like they got to see the first African-American president. 
and profound demographic shifts and social norms. They also, though, experience terrorism, economic instability, and for them, school shooting drills are also normal. You may walk by someone in Gen Z on a computer with headphones in using their iPhone and assume that that's the only way they want to communicate, when in reality, they actually prefer face-to-face -face communication. And so in the workplace, work is always changing. For them, constantly changing jobs and roles is expected. Their focus is more on products and not on institutions or brands. And they like frequent feedback also. But unlike millennials, they're not distracted by technology. It's part of their day to day. And so in the workplace, the best way to engage this group is to take advantage of their strong entrepreneurial drive. They're interested in economic stability. And they're motivated by opportunities where they can satisfy both their creative and entrepreneurial expertise with tech. And they want it at the best price. And surprisingly, the best way to communicate with them is face to face. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.